test the microphones. Is it working now? It's working now? <laughs> testing. This is all going into the show. Testing. Teardrops on the city bed, scooter searching for his groove. Seems like the whole world's walking pretty and I can't find the room to move. Everybody better move over, that's all. Do you, do you have a television in your bedroom? No. Okay, so I, I have a I've always had a television in my bedroom since I've been an adult because I enjoy watching television. What, what about interns? Bob? Interns. they just have laptops. So. Interns? Oh, yeah. Do are you, TVs even a thing? Yeah. Do you, you all know what TVs are? Yeah. Anything <laughs> out there? <laughs> Jeez. Anyway, so we, ha we, have a t we have a TV in the bedroom, and I usually like to put a sleep timer on. Do you have a TV on. In, the, in the refrigerator? I don't have one of those, In the kitchen? No. Nope. Um, Go on. So, so I like to put it on, put on sleep timer while I'm falling asleep. I used to fall asleep to to documentaries about space because I'm interested in space, but it but it can put you to sleep. The final frontier. Ah, uh, sure. The cosmos. Uh -huh. That's so, a great stuff one. like that. Yeah, I mean it's great. It's cosmos sort of, reboot or the original? Actually, I would. It was like the planets and how the universe works and stuff like that. And so I would I would listen to those and then slowly I would be, I would be asleep before the dreams? before the. Uh, I would like to that that's sort of part of part of the thing. I would like to do that anyway. I've recently changed that up. And now I'm watching Showtime Boxing, and I think it's something about the announcers calling the the matches that sort of put me to sleep. But I have to say, before I fall asleep, I'm sort of watching a little bit of that. And I've never been a huge boxing fan, but watching it sort of night after night, I've become more of a boxing fan. But I realized that when I was a kid, I thought when I thought about boxing, I thought there is no way that I could be in a match with a person where I'm hitting them that I couldn't like. I have to I have to like hate this person. Like, there's no way that two people can do that you didn't and not hate each other. You didn't understand the concept of athletics. I didn't, exactly. I didn't understand the concept in that particular, in that particular oh, okay. context of athletics. And so now when I see, even at the end of a, of a bout, when the two, when the two fighters, you know, they, they give each other a hug, they, you know, they, they congratulate each other. It's still foreign to me because I'm like, you guys just were hitting each other. How do you not hate each other? And then there's a corollary to that, which oh, is. Do go on. In movies, I remember when I was a kid, I saw like when people kiss, I'm like. How how does that work if they're not in love? And so you've, and got, so, a, you've got a lot to learn. I thought <laughs> so I thought cute. at the at the time. <laughs> thank you. I thought at the time that there must be a fake way that you kiss uh, <laughs> in movies and TV that wasn't a real kiss because Certainly obviously fake ways that they do some things. Yeah. <laughs> oh, see that it was it was all nice and then that. Um, so you, you lacked a concept of athletics. Yes. You've lacked a concept of acting. Yeah. Did anyone else Other when they were like six lack a concept of these things? I thought that like the plates moving like plate tectonics. Mm -hmm. I thought that that was like a really bad thing and we had to stop it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so maybe drive some stakes into the ground or something like that? <laughs> yeah. I was like, it, it kept me up at night at, sure. in fourth grade. And then I took a geology class uh -huh. freshman year. I was like, oh my God, exactly. it's like a natural process. Mm -hmm. well, well, I watched Jurassic Park when I was like five. Okay. And for, I know that humans and dinosaurs didn't exist at the same time. Like I'm pretty sure I knew that then. Sure. But I, th I didn't get that the, they didn't die. Like, so, you know, when the guy's on the toilet and he gets eaten by a dinosaur. So I asked my scene. mom, so I asked my mom, if a dinosaur eats you, do you die? And she was like, yeah, if a dinosaur eats you, you die. And I was like, oh my God, that guy sacrificed so much for this movie. <laughs> yeah. See, didn't understand <laughs> acting. Also, I would like to point out that um, I'm very jealous of people who didn't grow up in or live in Oklahoma during uh -huh. their formative years yes. and came to be terrified of tornadoes uh -huh. um, like me. You would like, you know, crouch under the sinks. Like if a tornado comes, we're all going to be dead. But yeah. well, the whole concept of like duck and cover, 
is just completely absurd. Like they they show clips of people hiding under like blankets mm -hmm. from nuclear explosions. Well, yeah, you would also do the a yeah, nuclear, nuclear explosion drills. is very different than no, yeah. I know, well, but if like a tornado like rips through where you are. And what about what about getting into a f an old fridge? Does that help you from a <laughs> nuclear explosion? I've seen I've seen documentaries about that. How do you Okay. Would you like to start? Yeah, this is episode 110 of Various Breads and Butter. CX. CX. Um, your host, Ben Brickhouse-Cohen. With him, as always, Simon Portmantonev. Out in the studio. You said that backwards. I know. Out in the studio, we've got Andy, star student Mitchell. We've got Claire, TV Dinner Swanson. We've got our producer, Michelle, hyphen Polton Simon. And in studio, very special guest, coach of the Lafayette football team, the head coach, Mr. John Garrett. John, how are you doing? I'm doing great, guys. How Thank, are you? Thanks great for to be being here. here. Hi, John. Thanks, thanks for, for being here. Yeah, thanks for agreeing to be here. Without um, do people miss it? Do people call you Coach? Do people call you Mr. Garrett? Do people call you John? Yeah. What do you what like? should we call you? Coach. All Garrett. of the above. All of the above. All of the above. And do you have a preference? I don't. Um, Maybe context it's, dependent. Uh, yeah. It's very uh, <laughs> admirable and endearing to be called Coach mm -hmm. um, because mm -hmm. uh, a coach may have more influence or have a chance to have more influence on young men. Uh, more than anyone. Uh, no, uh, as a player coming off the field would not call you John, I assume. No. No. That would but, be, uh, be push-ups, wouldn't it? You know, it, it is, it, is uh, <laughs> it brings me back to a memory when I was playing mm -hmm. uh, for the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, Sam Weich was our coach. Okay. And you'd ask a question or see him in the hallway of the facility and you'd say, coach, and he would say, player. Oh. Yeah. It was his way of getting you to call him Sam. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. I always wonder about this when we have like uh, we'll take the students and they'll tour the kitchens and it'll be like Chef John or Chef somebody, mm -hmm. but it's not like a manager Bill or banker John or mm -hmm. banker Dan. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know which professions get the get to have the title. I don't know. I mean I don't disagree that no. it'd be Chef John or Coach Carrot. Sure. But why why do they stop Editor Wanda? Why wasn't she called Plum an editor? Plumber Susie. Uh, these are these are questions that we can't answer now. But you you sort of brought up you played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Now we usually ask a question where we sort of try to get how did you get to here? Don't say by car. How did you get from where you started to here? So where were you born? I was born in Danville, Pennsylvania. Danville, Pennsylvania. Yeah. My dad was coaching at Susquehanna University okay. at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, he had been there for five years. Mm -hmm. And I was born in '65. Okay, uh, and then he. He left after that and then lived in a lot of places. Yeah. He had a coaching life? Yes, mm -hmm. he did. Uh, he, uh, he coached in, in college in pro football for, had to have been over 40, approaching 50 years. So he's a big fan of football uh, is what yeah, we're saying. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Um, and we lived in a lot of places. I probably went to uh, five different grade schools. Wow. And then, um, finally moved to Cleveland, Ohio in eighth grade when he became an assistant coach with the Cleveland Browns. And okay. Was able to stay there for about six years, so I got th uh, through high school all at one high school. Which yeah. uh, I have an older brother, mm -hmm. Jim, and I have four older sisters: Jane, Jennifer, Janine, and Jill. And then myself, and then two younger brothers, Jason and Judd. I'm, I'm sensing a pattern. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'm sensing a pattern. This is why we want to have you on the show. We yeah, can, if we can get seven more listeners, yeah. <laughs> it's really going to yeah. make a difference. <laughs> it's going to make a huge difference for for a kid. Six years was like, man, I can plant some roots here. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, and then I think back of, of my adult life mm -hmm. when I got into 
to coaching and then then got married and had children. I mm-hmm. have four children. I remember my son John, we were he was in about sixth grade. We were living in Texas. I was coaching for the Cowboys mm-hmm. and he came home one day. Yeah. And I said, Hey John, what's up? And he goes, Dad, guess what? He said, I met a kid today who's lived in the same house and gone to the same school his entire life. Can you believe that? <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, so I it's mean, like military I mean, families. It's, it's a mirror image, yeah. Now, so from Cleveland, where where did you go? Yeah, in 1970, my dad became an assistant with the New York Giants, and he and my mom bought a house on the Jersey Shore oh, okay. in Monmouth Beach, New Jersey. Yeah, okay. And it was right across the street from the ocean. Uh, we s- still own it today, and... We always kept that house Mm -hmm. despite all the moves and went back there every summer to spend the summer. So really, home is New Jersey Uh uh, because we've spent a lot of time there. And second would be Cleveland, Ohio, since that was the longest stint. I still have three siblings that live in Cleveland, uh, so we have some ties back there Mm -hmm. still. Uh, and those were my formidable years too. But mm-hmm. and so and so you okay, so you went to school in, in Princeton. I did. Well, yeah. I first started at Columbia. Okay. Um, and then transferred to Princeton and graduated from there in 1988. Did you played sports in in, in college? I, I did. Yeah. Uh, football and baseball. Oh wow. Were you better at football, or why go pro football, not baseball? Oh gosh, uh, I was better at football. I, I wish I was better at baseball. Baseball is a, a great sport. Uh, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. It was it was hard uh, when you got to college, the, the increase in ability of the players from high school to college was remarkable in my mind. So baseball was hard. I wish I was better. If it makes you feel better. I didn't, I didn't really get out of Little League. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, it's hard to get out of Little League. I was a bench warmer by yeah. age 12. <laughs> <laughs> so, what did you play in football? I played wide receiver. Wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Is that based on speed? Yes. Yeah, how does you know, one become a wide receiver? A couple things. Uh, early on in Pop Warner and things like that, I was a running back because back then the offenses in the 70s really didn't throw the ball. And uh, I did have pretty good speed, so typically settled as a running back and then a kick and punt returner. And then starting in high school, really, when you start throwing the ball a little bit more, I wasn't blessed with great size, so they were just running backs that were bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I could catch, so. I uh, just went out to wide receivers. It was yeah. pretty natural transition. Mm-hmm. Can we assume, based on your background, that football was almost preordained? We just loved to play. It, it, remember, I'm, I'm one of eight children, and I have we're all a year apart. So I have my older brother Jim, who played. My dad played and coached, and then I have Jason and Judd, who are a year and, and two years apart. And so that's all we did mm-hmm. is we played sports outside. Yeah. From football to wiffle ball to basketball to we made up games on the beach rock ball i mean just Mm -hmm. constantly played and played and played and so it was just natural to want to play organized sports so we were playing full equipment contact football when my dad was with the dallas cowboys and when i was in second grade that's what you did did your folks did they have like some explicit lessons that they wanted you to learn by playing uh, I, I think in the back of their mind, they did believe that we would learn those lessons, sure. but I never remember being sat down and saying, okay, this is the reason yeah, why. Yeah. It was, that's the one thing my dad always said was, you just got to love to play. I mm-hmm. love to play. Play as long as you can. Never stop playing because mm-hmm. once you stop, you know, you're, you're going to regret it. And and it was really just about the competition, the the natural life lessons that you learn 
uh, because sports is such a microcosm, mm-hmm. uh, the ups and downs, handling adversity, mm-hmm. uh, uh, resiliency, teamwork, unselfishness, just all these things that come with sports, sure. you just inherently learn them uh, and and you basically get naturally ch- uh, trained to almost handle life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's hard to strike out and walk back to the dugout and they're your, your teammates, you know. And you don't really want to let them down, so mm-hmm. you grit your teeth and do your best the next time, and that's as good a life lesson as yeah, there yeah, is. Yeah. Given that you were, your, your dad was working with many teams, did you have a favorite team? Well, we always rooted for the team he was coaching for. <laughs> um, and then, because we always went to the games, great memories of being part of a family where your dad is a, is a pro coach because despite the moving, and I have this conversation with my kids all the time because they've lived a lot of places and had to move at some challenging times in their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they think back now, three of them are in college now, and they're like, Dad. I mean, yeah, it was hard, but Jason Witten came over to our house, <laughs> you know, or I get to go to pro football games. There's there's kids that I know that have never been able to do that. Yeah. Um, so so there's, uh, there's a lot of pluses and a lot of great people that you uh, uh, get to be with and mm-hmm. a lot of great things you get to see. But, you know, the, the other part of it is there's a little volatility in, in coaching. Uh, and uh, some uncertainty and certainly some instability. But I tell you, our kids with the, with moves, they have friends all over the country. Mm-hmm. They've experienced um, life in uh, a variety of states. They're better for it because they, they really have an easy time meeting people mm-hmm. um, and doing things on their own, and they have no qualms about calling people up for job opportunities or interviews or uh, going abroad or... Sure. Uh, doing an internship away from home or uh, so they they just have there's a lot of resiliency mm-hmm. and and a lot of adaptability so can we um let's see what we can do from princeton to here which is a lot we don't have to cover every single stop mm-hmm. but um you were a history major at princeton is yes that correct did you have a, sp- a specific interest or was it general historical background well uh concentration probably in um post world war ii um, up through the the Vietnam War, that's yeah. where I, I probably took most of my classes. Did you ever have any sports history classes, like athletic history? I didn't. No, yeah. I, I didn't. Any nothing specific like that. Um, but there uh, were athletics going on between World War II and Vietnam, yeah, so yeah, yeah, we got yeah, that going. Right. Hey, it's an interesting <laughs> subfield. There's yeah, a lot, yeah. like physical education and mm-hmm. professionalism of sports mm-hmm. and right. the, the business of sports and how this oh, has developed. Sure. I did my senior thesis at Princeton on um, the American Football League and its rivalry with the NFL. Oh, yeah. and, and and my theory was that because of the existence of the AFL, that pro football was uh, better after mm. their 10-year their uh, existence. And uh, it was really cool to research that because I got to, to talk to um, – you know, some people like Hank Stram mm-hmm. about the, the history of football. Um, and then also my dad remembers that, too, of being, um, you know, it being in the NFL when that was going on. Um, and just providing some competition to the NFL. Sure, yeah. which which increased uh, salaries. And then there was the TV market and then uh, the merger as well. I think the same thing happened to hockey in the 70s with the WHL and the NHL. So there's a, um, there's a football career. Uh, how long did your playing years last? Well, I wasn't good enough to really be 
whatever, household name or to have staying power. I was always on the edge, always on the bubble trying to make teams. Mm-hmm. So it went that way. Uh, Were you aware of that at, like, at the oh, time? Oh, sure. Well, look at me. I don't look like a football player. <laughs> B- bigger know, than hard. both of us. It's hard. Um, you know, those are big, strong, fast, talented talented players. And and so I got a free agent tryout with the Cowboys and didn't make it. And then I signed with the Bengals in 89, and I did make it. I was mostly on the practice roster, then got activated at the end of the year and caught a couple passes in a, in a, in a real game and then didn't make it the next year and then – and then went and played in the World League hmm. uh, for the San Antonio Riders. Um, played there for a year. And then uh, that summer tried out for the Buffalo Bills um, in 1991, which was the second year of their four-year stint for That's the Super right. Bowl. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Jim Kelly. S- Jim Kelly, Scott yes. Norwood. Scott Norwide, as we called him yeah. in, uh, in Toronto. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, – and then I was there for about seven weeks on the practice roster and then got released. And, and then um, my last tryout was with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And uh, Sam Weich was the coach at that point with the, the Buccaneers, but I had also played for him with the Bengals. And uh, when I got released from the, the Buccaneers, well, let me go back. Uh, when I contacted Sam uh, to see if he was interested in signing me, uh, to join the Buccaneers, he said, yeah, John, that'd be great. We can sign you as a free agent, uh, but you're always going to be on the bubble. Uh, but if you don't make it, I'd love to keep you around in some capacity. Um, so at the end of that preseason, when I walked into his office, because um, he had he had cut me before with mm-hmm. the, the Bengals, he walked, I walk in, he goes, oh, not you again. <laughs> <laughs> so, But Sam was great. He said, uh, you know, like I said, you're always on the bubble, but uh, as promised, you know, go down the hall. And, and I was hired as a coach's assistant and a pro personnel assistant. So that's how my career in coaching started after no. I played. I, I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to play as long as I could because it's a lot of fun. Sure. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to keep playing. Uh, but I knew the natural transition was to get into coaching, mainly because the influence of my dad. Sure. Um, he... I saw how from the position of a coach, he influenced and impacted and helped so many lives Mm -hmm. um, change, getting guys opportunities, working with them to make a team, uh, working with high school kids to get them a a scholarship to to college. And, you know, as a coach, you can impact so many lives. And and that that was thrilling to me. So were you the first Garrett child to go into coaching? Well, actually, my brother Jim, who's the oldest, um, he played college football, Division Three, graduated from Oberlin, uh, was the captain there. And he he got into coaching um, when I was in college. Um, he coached one year at Columbia and then was a longtime high school coach um, at actually my old high school mm-hmm. in Cleveland, Ohio, okay, where yeah. he still is as the uh, head of the English department. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and so... We owe a lot to Jim, my, my older brother, who's six years older uh, than us. But he, he spent so much time with me and my brothers, Jason and Judd, um, organizing all those games in the mm. backyard and teaching us how to play all the games and, and the rules of the game. And, and I always think back and how thankful I am of him because as a teenage kid, here he is saying, no, I don't want to hang out with my friends. I'm going to devote my time to my younger brothers sure. and uh, we're indebted to him for life because as an er- early on 
in our primary years, he was really the one spending time with us. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once we got into high school, um, we approached my dad and said, okay, you know, we really want to almost take it more seriously. It's, mm-hmm. we have aspirations of going to college and, and he was like, okay, uh, but I'm not going to be your dad out there. I'm going to be your coach. Mm-hmm. And so we, we had these, um, perennial workouts that we call them in our, in our backyard and on the, uh, right next to the house in Monmouth beach where we had an 80 yard field and wow. it, it was us three. And then a variety of high school, college, and even pro players would come in preparation for their season. So we would have, we would have anywhere from 10 to 20 to 25 guys out there practicing football for about two months, sometimes two days, two times a day. And we had, we had pro players there. Probably the most famous guy is Sam Mills, Mm -hmm. who, um, Sam Mills was a Long Branch High School and went to Montclair State and, and the Cleveland Browns signed him to a free agent contract as a linebacker and he worked out in our backyard and, cool. and didn't make the Browns uh, but uh, I do remember him he was frustrated with that and that he didn't make it and he came to my dad's house um, and uh, he was not he he had a contract for, with the Philadelphia Stars of the USFL and he said Jim I'm, I'm not going to go you know I'm, I'm not going to get a shot my dad just begged him for an hour to go do it and he 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 said, you can do it, you can play, believe me, and just built into him and encouraged him. And Sam decided to do it, and he became a, a star in the USFL and then also an all-pro all, all and <laughs> in uh, pro football with the Saints. Yeah. This was, last fall was your first season at Lafayette, yes. correct? Um, before coming to Lafayette, what were the what, what led you to the Lafayette position? Where were you before this? Well, before that, I was the offensive coordinator at the University of Richmond. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good um, school. Good and school. Um, I was there for a year. Um, before that, University of Florida, and before that, the offensive coordinator at uh, Oregon State. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and before that, the University of Virginia. Uh, yes, but not directly before. Not, not directly. Uh, if I go back before Oregon State, it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as okay, the receiver coach, and before that, the Cowboys, and then University of Virginia. Al Groh, you would re- someone would remember? I, I do. Yeah. Yeah. So that those are those were um, some great times at UVA, and it, this was actually asked of me in my interview at Lafayette. Who were your influences? Um, and I, I spoke about my dad, as I alluded to the passion and emotion, um, and uh, his love for coaching and and people, uh, but also. All the coaches that I worked for, I really took something very specific mm-hmm. uh, from them that uh, I apply to how I coach, um, and I was able to name it, each one, and what those what that trait was. And uh, uh, after I got the job, the athletic directors actually told me that was um, uh, really good that you answered <laughs> it that way specifically, because yeah. so, some people just do it generally. But, sure. Um, so do you know, do you have a sense of what your players would say uh, about you? Well, um, I think uh, that I emulate the four words that we have up in our locker room that I want them to emulate, and that's passion, emotion, enthusiasm, and perseverance. Mm-hmm. Um, and nothing great has ever been accomplished without those things. Um, so that's what I want them to be and to represent each day of their lives uh, because it's such, there's such great traits not only in football but in life. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
I want to portray to them the energy and the love for football um, because that's contagious. I think, you know, last night my wife and I went to an art exhibit. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, down at the soap mill? Yeah, and um, Professor Ed, Ed, Kearns. Ed yes, Professor yes. Kern yeah. um, has Friend allowed- of the show, future guest. Ed Kearns, yeah, yeah. Has allowed my wife, Honor, to uh, take his class. So she, she audits the class and has absolutely loved it, and he's been so kind to her. And uh, so in that class, there's also a couple football players. Oh, yeah. Um, and the football players were not real thrilled the first day of class when they saw my wife <laughs> walk in because they realized they would have to never miss that yep. class. Yep. <laughs> so, but in a conversation last night with Ed Kern, he said something to me that uh, that was uh, very meaningful to me. He said, let me, let me just tell you something. Um, I have your players in our class, and they listen to you. And I said, really? Well, I hope so. And they said, no, I don't know what you're doing, Mm -hmm. but um, I think uh, I want you to know that they're listening to you Mm -hmm. um, and they believe in you. When you're talking about coaching at Lafayette to other coaches in the college or pro or your brothers or anybody in your family, how do you describe what's, what's different about Lafayette football? I'm familiar with the... FCS level mm-hmm. and a, an academic school that plays football because sure. that's the student athlete that I was. Mm-hmm. I went to Columbia, then to Princeton. Um, I, I, almost, I almost came to Lafayette. They recruited me as hard as anybody, and mm-hmm. it was really between Lafayette and, and Columbia. And so I was here. Um, I'm familiar with the, the school. We played against Lafayette. So there was a familiarity and a great appreciation of what the school college is about mm-hmm. uh, really good academics and c- really good competitive athletics mm-hmm. football coaching is pretty much the same at the different levels mm-hmm. we alluded a little bit how you have to change your style because the players are older or better or or different um, but generally it's coaching football mm-hmm. uh, but this is one of the most exhilarating jobs that I've ever had uh, to be in charge of a football team and program, you are charged with basically making every decision mm-hmm. or at least knowing about every decision. And so that means I have to decide not only what play we're going to run on third down or who we recruit. You're going to do a fumble risk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> who we recruit, but also <laughs> if we're going to have broccoli or green beans at the team meal the <laughs> night before the game. Wow. Uh, so – to make all those decisions on a daily basis is is a lot. It's yeah. much more than being an assistant, much more than being a coordinator. Mm-hmm. Right. So you and you have to be so far ahead with those decisions because of the planning involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, we had maybe it was almost like a year ago. We had um, Michael Whitmore, who was the director of the Folger Library, he's a Shakespeare scholar. Mm-hmm. And one of the nice things about uh, his guest appearance was that we were able to have him tell us insider things about Shakespeare to say to make it seem as if we knew mm-hmm. because neither of us know anything about Shakespeare nope. or whatever I know is because what he told us. So in that vein, mm-hmm. what kind of uh, slang or cool terms can we use yeah. after this okay. to make people think that we know what we're talking about? Like at a party or something like that? How do we sound smarter than we are? Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, uh, let's see if you know what this and means. And interns, if you, have, if, you, I, if you have questions on this too, jump on it. Yeah, yeah. You ready? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fousey to gun Billy Wright, Jill, F Chevy X. Okay. <laughs> so I have to be able to repeat it first. <laughs> yeah. Fousey to gun Billy Wright, Jill, yeah. F50X. Yeah. Close. So, was it? 
Fuzzy to Gun Billy Wright, Jill, Fuzzy F. Chevy X. F. Chevy X. Fuzzy to Gun Billy Wright, Jill, F. Chevy, F. Chevy X. X. Yeah, yeah, easy. Well, yeah. No, I mean, I knew that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, we were talking about like hard stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, who doesn't? Um, <laughs> can you, what, what What? did you just say? Or what did Ben just say? Uh, that's a play call. That's a play call. Is that like yeah. a common thing? Like, or is it just something that you made up and use with your team? Well, we should, we should say no, no rival yeah, teams are listening right yeah, now. Yeah, Nobody's so it really, really listening right now. It, yeah, just yeah. All goes, it, yeah. all, it all goes down to execution. Yeah. Anyway. yeah, yeah. Um, so the right forward. Right the, those are, um, I can break it down for you. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. So, okay. so Fousey, yeah, I'm sure I'll know all the parts so, of the breakdown. Yeah. yeah. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. So Fousey is a shift okay. that involves the F, the Z, and the Y. Okay. Fousey. Wait, what, now what's an F, a Z, and a Y? Okay. Let's get, uh, break so it down even more. So, so we lost. letter our players. So a football oh. is made out of leather. So yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so oh, we, so you letter, each player has a letter. Yeah, all the skill players have a letter. Well, <laughs> really, everybody has a letter. Okay. Um, so the quarterback is Q. Oh, I get it. That? I'm there. Right. I'm there. <laughs> okay. Um, the the halfback is H. Okay. All right. The fullback is F. Oh, we got the F. All right. Yeah. Who's the Z? Yeah. The Z is the is the Seems wide like receiver on the strong side. Um, Z. It's okay. just that's been like that forever. And so, so everybody uses that. Well, not everybody. Okay. Most everybody. Okay. And the receiver on the weak side is the X receiver. So oh, okay. a Fuzzy shift. Is it Fousey shift or do you say Fousey? Just say Fousey. And they know that that means F, Z, and Y should shift. Yeah, start opposite and go to the other side wow. in the formation. And the, next, and the next part of it is the formation. So gun, uh-huh. Fousey to gun means the quarterback line up in the gun, not under center. Okay. 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 Billy so that's, is a- that's, short, that's shorthand for shotgun. Billy, <laughs> Billy, how about this? Billy is a bunch formation. B, Billy, mm-hmm. bunch. Okay. With the Y, yeah. Billy. Yeah. As the Jeez. point, oh as gosh. the point of the formation. Wow, okay? this is getting It all means something. It does. Right? There's so all these triggers. How to far are we now? Fuzzy, Fuzzy to gun, the formation. Fuzzy gun Billy. Fuzzy gun Billy Wright. Gun Billy Wright. Now, so, wh- why can't you just type it up and give it to them before each play? Maybe laminate it on a piece of paper so they can take a look do. at it. You just we do. do. We have, we <laughs> have those little things on the arms. We have wristbands. Like, yes. Oh yeah, we have wristbands. So that they look at. Yeah. So so when we call plays, we can. Call them in a variety of ways. Uh, okay. um, we can signal it in. We can uh, all those plays have a corresponding number on a wristband, mm-hmm. so we just <laughs> signal in a number and they call the play. Wow! Um, and that's all. That's all allowed. Fuzzy Gun Billy Wright. What, what happened to Jill? Where's she? Jill. Okay, oh, yeah. Jill. The J player. Jill. Okay, so Jill is the pass protection. Uh, okay. Is there a reason why Jill? Yeah, it is. Okay. It is. Okay, <laughs> so Jill has an L in it, uh-huh. right? So sure. back, line up to the left, and block the two guys off the line on the left side. Wow. Okay, Jack to the right. Of course. Okay, if, yeah, it, yeah. if it was flipped the other way. Yeah, yeah, okay? yeah. Okay, so it's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah, super easy. Jack and Jill. Super right? easy. All right, Jill. Jack and Jill. Can you, are you up on this? Simon? No, I, I want to no, know. No, work through all the terms. No, I know. Fousey? Fousey? There will be no test. To Jill? No, you skip like Chevy. Maybe I should test them. Chevy right. X, right. Then you'll appreciate how smart you have to be to play football. <laughs> I know. Yes. All I, right? I got it. Yeah. yeah. So that, that brings me to a, a story mm-hmm. when I was at the Cincinnati Bengals. You know, because there's a stereotype out there that, oh, football players, pardon the word, dumb jocks, yeah. whatever. They don't, you know. Well, when I was at Princeton, I was asked to speak at an Ivy League alumni foundation in the Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. 
So it was a luncheon. And what we wanted to do was uh, expose them to the week and the life of a football player. Mm -hmm. And so what we did is we took them through their week and how the game plan was installed and what they had to learn and all that. And so we brought a playbook and a, a game plan. And here are all these Ivy League graduates with all these degrees and everything. And when we showed them what they have to learn for the first and second down game plan, then the third down game plan the next day, then the red zone game plan the next day, then the short yardage and goal line game plan, then the two-point play game plan, and and then we showed them the call sheet and the amount of plays. Literally, the professor stood up and said, what? Mm-hmm. You mean they have to learn all this in a week? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? And I'm like, now you understand that you got to be pretty smart to play yeah. football. Yeah. That's a lot of stuff. This yeah. is hurting my head. Um, yeah. Now, now. We didn't get to the Chevy. How much? Yeah. <laughs> well, we. I, I think we understand. What oh Chevy my gosh, is. that's just one. That was just one play. One play. And and then when you're calling that play, how much of that is <laughs> improvisation at the time? You see what's happening given the game situation. How much of it is just pre predetermined based on? Well, it's a great that. it's a great question because um, it leads to how you call plays sure. and. And play calling, everybody thinks that it's just spur of the moment, uh, emotional, ha-ha, I yeah. see something. Yeah. It's really not. Yeah. It's very well thought out during the week. Mm-hmm. And really the game is called, for the most part, before the opening kickoff. Wow. Where you have um, what plays you're going to open with, what's going to be your first third down call, your first short yardage call, your first goal line call, your first second and seven to 10 call, your first call when you're backed up and you're near your own goal line. And it's really unemotional. Mm-hmm. Um, so you just really look at your call sheet and you put a number one next to it and say, okay, yeah. I'll call that one because and, of all the study that you've done during yeah. the week. Now my, now my favorite play, I've, I've, there's no mystery in this. My favorite play is the fake punt pass. Mm. Now, what is that play call? Mm, well, it actually changes oh. because based on what it is, yeah, uh, we nearly had it versus Lehigh, if oh. you remember. The guy was wide open. He'd still be running. Mm-hmm. He'd still be running right now, but the <laughs> ball was thrown a little bit behind, yeah. and we didn't pull it in. Uh-huh. That would have been a big one. Yeah. Uh, but uh, we usually have a fake punt every week, and it nice. changes. That's my favorite. Uh, and we change the name. <laughs> that, uh, that, that's the, the only time, so. that's the only play that I was that when I would play John Madden football. <laughs> that, that was the only play I would understand. And he, they were just like, well, you fake a punt, and then instead of fake, instead of punting, you pass. And that was the only one that made sense because all the other ones did not make any sense to me. But that one, you're lucky. And I and I didn't do very well with that as <laughs> calling that every play. I just want to let you know. Sorry. Now I want to give you, I want to give you just a coaching play. You can run this if you want to. This is up to you. Um, <laughs> you know that thing where at kickoff. If you're re- starting anything with that, yeah, thing. yeah, that thing where the where the receiver gets it, and then all of your players and your team all huddle up. And then they do something, and then they all they all they all disperse. But who has the ball? And then do that. Uh, that was actually what, what play is that called? Uh, it was it was actually started way back in okay. the fifties, okay. and I, I think about. it was called like the flying wedge or yeah. something like okay. that. Okay. And um, it's actually very effective. And I'm writing it down right now. There you to, go. To incorporate there you it, go. And maybe he we'll is. surprise the uh, the Mountain Hawks with it. All right, John, we wanted to ask you, uh, we have a standard set of questions. Mm-hmm. Um, these are also about your background. Mm-hmm. One question, three ways. At age 10, what was the big music or your favorite music? 
Um, how did that change by age 20 when you were in college? And then did it change again by age 30? So we can start with the first, at okay. age 10. Yeah, so... And you've got a lot of siblings, yeah, so Yeah, it's very interesting. So the, my first musical in, uh, influence came from my older brother, Jim, uh, when I remember listening to eight-track tapes. Nice. Bootleg Ooh. of Springsteen. <laughs> okay. Okay, and Jim Croce. So you're talking when I was 10, that's yeah, yeah. 75, so he's just coming off of... You know, greetings from Asbury Park and right. Born to Run is seventy five. Yeah, is that I right? I think so. It feels seventy five right. uh, or seventy six. Can, can we get a fact checker out there? Born yeah, to Run. I think I think seventy five. Um, so Pretty so damn. so Springsteen and Jim Croce, mm-hmm. um, and then also I remember my brother Jim had this tape, The Best of Bread. So I, at age ten, it was it was those, no right. doubt about it. And then. At twenty, at twenty, yeah, um, let's double it. Yeah, so 20. you're, you're so in college I'm in, now. I'm in college, mm-hmm. so Springsteen's rolling now, yeah. and so now, are you at Columbia or are you Princeton at this point? Well, uh, twenty. What are you, a sophomore in, in college? Sophomore, is that junior. right? Yeah. So uh, sophomore, junior. I think that would have been that would have been eighty five. Mm-hmm. So I think what was the big album that came out right then? Well, um, I mean, the Born in the USA. Born in the USA, Born right? USA. That it's was like it. Peak, so that was Peak Springsteen. Peak. So that was big. I remember I remember walking around campus with a Walkman Whoa. and tape. Oh, man. Listening to Portable music. Born in the USA. So this is not only a journey through your musical taste, but a journey through musical technology. Yeah. Too. I, mean, I know. I bet I know what's up. happening in 30. So, but, but, but at 20, so um, sort of classic rock, too. Mm-hmm. So uh, high school influence of The Who. I, I dated mm-hmm. a, a girl in, in, in high school who loved The Who, so I became a Who fan. There you go. And then just a lot of great bands were coming into their own and having some great albums like... My freshman year at Columbia was the big police album. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Synchronicity. 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 Yeah, yeah. So listen to that all the time. A great appreciation of, of their music. The Eagles mm-hmm. is, is probably a, a, uh, a top two or three band of mine right now. Okay. So I don't want to get ahead of myself. Got it, got it. I'm so still at 20. That's fine. Still at 20. I actually, speaking of the um, police, well, I guess maybe it's police, but I saw, I saw a great documentary on Showtime about WLIR, like a radio station on Long Island that, brought essentially new wave to the United States in the 80s. Did not know that. So just watch that mm. if you get W-L-A-R. a chance. W-L-I-R, Long mm. Island Radio. Oh, okay, we're at 30 now. So I got married at 28. Yeah. So I, I'm the father of two right now at 30. Still Springsteen, still the Eagles, still like classic rock and roll. My wife likes country music, so that's mm, coming that into... Uh, an appreciation of. Yeah. Um, now, my son, this is interesting. Mm-hmm. John started playing guitar when he was like in sixth grade and has a real knack for it and an ear for it. And he had a great appreciation of rock and roll. So he loves like Led Zeppelin uh, okay. and Leonard Skinner yeah, yeah. and all that. So now I'm guessing that, that the music in the locker room is not maybe the stuff that you would normally listen <laughs> no, to. No, it's not. So, it's but not. but that's okay. They have their own, whatever yeah. gets them going yeah, for the game. That's exactly there right. You, you, have okay. to, you have to evolve yeah, and change yeah. as a coach. Yeah. Um, we actually have music at practice now. Nice. Um, so uh, the players love it. They get juiced up. There's mm-hmm. a little there's who, a little who picks it? Uh, they do. Yeah, that's they probably, do. probably the right um, way to go. And the only way I, the only thing I've been able to negotiate is that we have a break in practice mm-hmm. to get them hydrated, and they check their equipment, and I get a little throwback. There music. you go. So 
the guy running the music he throws me some Springsteen nice. or maybe a little Billy Joel or Elton John go. or Rolling Stones or something like Just that. Mix it or, up a little bit. Or U2. Yeah. Zach Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, saw him in concert and I was like, wow, this guy's really good and, and go. listened to him for a while. So so still evolving in a way. Still evolving yeah. and appreciating all kinds of music. And then also too, I, I uh, there's some, some great Christian music out there too, some mm-hmm. great performers that uh, yeah. are really inspiring. Um, the movie, I Can Only Imagine, mm-hmm. um, that's that's an awesome song. Cool. So Have you always listened to Christian music? Not always. Uh, probably I mean, The genre more, has grown, right? Yeah, it has. Uh, probably more... Since since becoming a Christian as an adult, mm-hmm. uh, that appreciation of, of of music and 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 honoring Jesus Christ mm-hmm. and and uh, it's 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 inspiring too. It's not always a lot of hymns, mm-hmm. but there's a lot of great stories as well taught. Cool. Right. So, um, well, are you guys ready to do a quiz? I think I'm ready to do. A we quiz. transition to quiz time. I think we are. Well, we we do a quiz on the show. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Real or Not Quiz. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it's, require any studying. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty polished. It's not particularly good. What will happen is that uh, yeah. Simon, I'll ask Simon, will be the first to answer. The interns will answer, and you're mm-hmm. last. Yeah. Okay. Presumably, you have the advantage in the quiz. Mm. Yeah. Um, just based on subject matter. Just mm. based on subject matter. Okay. So, real or not, the mm-hmm. first one is the mic check question. Yeah. So just so everybody has a sense of the game, so it'll be an easy answer. Yep. So are these are these real football player nicknames or not? Football player oh, nickname. Dear. So like historic football <laughs> players. Famous football players Got and it. great nicknames. Get, got it. Lots of people weigh in on the best nicknames. Best nicknames. We can ask you about your nicknames okay. a little later as okay. we go along. Here we go. All right. So the first one is, is this a real football player's rick- nickname or not? William Refrigerator Perry. Oh, William Refrigerator Perry. The Fridge. Chicago. Is that is that a real nickname? That is correct. Yes. Yes. Billy Perry. They called him. They didn't. <laughs> they didn't. <laughs> but the Fridge. The Fridge. <laughs> Okay, what do we think? Andy, what do you think? The fridge. Uh, yeah. Okay, what do you think, Claire? Uh, yes. There you go. And <laughs> Michelle? Yes. Okay. John, what John. do you think? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Now, um, interns, producers, is were you just, um, did, do you know the fridge? Yeah, Super Bowl. You, you're big fans of the Super Bowl shuffle out 19, there? You like I the do 85 not, no. Bears? Okay. 85, right? <laughs> yeah. Seems right. seems like a reasonable name for a football player. There's there you sometimes go. Yeah. It was good. He's very charismatic. And, and I gotta say, he probably, <laughs> from a size perspective, he wasn't like he was pretty big back then. But but maybe not, maybe nowadays he would not be as big as current players. It'd be like dorm fridge size. Dorm fridge size. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dorm fridge. Parent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Okay. What's, what's right. your next question? The next one. Uh, Adrian the Viper Piper. Adrian the Viper Piper. Now, what's going to happen <laughs> on this is I'm going to get mixed up with pro- professional wrestlers. Um, Adrian the Viper Piper. Um, I don't know that, that that a Viper would necessarily be the first thing I thought of when I thought of football, so I'm going to say no. No, no, Adrian the Viper Piper. What do you think, Andy? I like it, yes. Okay, Claire? I think no. Michelle? Yes. Okay, what do you think, John? What do you think, John? No. He's, he's saying no. Recently, six kids went to New York to the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Adrian <laughs> Piper, famous 20th century uh, conceptual artist, <laughs> yeah. had the whole sixth floor. I was not familiar with Adrian Piper's work. Her, yeah. I would describe it for those who don't know it. Any artist listening already know this. Sure. Um, Michelle, I don't know if you've heard of Adrian Piper. That's such a pretentious reference. Yeah. Mm, isn't it? Super pretentious. <laughs> it is. And my understanding of having now knowing who Adrian Piper is is the exact kind of art where you're like, how in the world is that art? Oh, like interesting. This conceptual artist who's just like doing, to me, was like really weird stuff all over the place. Like what? 
Well, some of the artworks were like a, a newspaper clipping in a frame. Oh, interesting. Like on the and wall. And just a random newspaper clipping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one was a room with a bunch of baseballs across the floor and a, and a like the, the armor for a yeah, knight yeah, just yeah. kind of broken up and laying on a table. Wow. I wasn't really sure what that was. Okay. But um, very forceful, very political artist. And, and no viper. Not that I know of. Okay. But wouldn't it be okay. cool if artists had nicknames too? Nope. Next question. <laughs> Next question. Yeah. James. I mean, artists often do have nicknames. That's like, like they go by names as artists versus well, their own actual names. We'll take names. your word That's for it, Michelle. We'll ask Adrian Piper. Mm. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one. James Debo Harrison. Debo Harrison. Debo Harrison. That sounds totally like a nickname for a football player. Yes, absolutely. What do you think, Claire? I'm going to, I think that that is a nickname. Andy. Also, yes. Michelle. Yes. John, what do you think? No. No. <laughs> it's, it's yes. Yes. It's yes. Who, who According to he? my sources, who is James this person? Harrison. I don't know, is he a stealer? Right. James Harrison? Like? No, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. That's, his, that's his nickname? That's yeah, his nickname. Debo. Debo. I don't know what it means. I don't either. That's why I thought you would all guess no, because I don't know what that means. Oh. That's the reason I like, put it in there. Sounds like a droid from Star Wars. Nicknames don't always have to make sense. All right, next one is an easy Ours one. Ours don't. Okay. <laughs> oh, Come that, on. That hurts. That really hurts, Star guys. student. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody? Example number one. <laughs> or, or was that TV dinner? He said that. Uh, no, I'm not sure. <laughs> okay, okay, go ahead. Next one. Ed Too Tall Jones. Oh, Ed Too Tall Jones. Um, you know what? I believe that is correct. How was tall he... is, is the correct height, though? I mean, was he in? Who was in? Who was in Police Academy? Who was in the Police Academy movies? Anyway, Ed Too Tall Jones. Yes. What do you think, Andy? No. No, Claire. No. Michelle? I want it to be real, but I'm going to go no. But because also this reminds me uh, that taller Poulton Simon, <laughs> a.k.a. my sister, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I told her this nickname and she was very flattered by oh, it. Oh, good. good. I'm, glad, I'm glad she was. Allison Taller Poulton Simon. Yep. Yeah. Ed Tutel Jones. John, what do you think? Absolutely true. He's Absolutely a true. defensive lineman for the Dallas Cowboys, number 72, one of the all-time <gasps> greats for the Cowboys. Actually, was in training camp with him in 1988. Now, let me ask you That's this: awesome. just from how the f- tall is he? Yeah, from the f- no, but I actually wanted to ask a different question. Was he too tall? <laughs> well, at the time, yeah. he was uh, much taller than most of the players. Okay. He's probably um, six six, yeah, or or taller. Wow, probably hit his head in a lot of door frames yeah. walking through. Yeah, yeah. I, I was a when I was a child, I did watch a lot more football, and I was a Cowboys fan. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I certainly loved Ed Too Tall Jones. Ed Too Tall Jones. There must there was probably more than one time when I was been too short going. He's, he's actually he's actually <laughs> the defensive lineman lineman pursuing Joe Montana in the, oh, the, the catch. yeah 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 in the catch yeah huh. number seventy two. Nice. All right, the next one, uh, Barnett Solid Duman. Barnett, <laughs> solid Newman, as opposed to Newman, l- liquid Newman, or gas Newman. Barnett, solid Newman. Okay, I think it was Barnett, liquid Newman. I'm gonna say no on that one. Maybe plasma. Maybe plasma. That's also a state of matter. Um, what do you think out there, Andy? Uh, yeah. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Claire. Andy sounded really confident, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna say yes too. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. I'm going to go no. Okay. I think the confidence is a charade. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay. What do you think, John? No. It's no. I just want to I just I just want to do a quick in episode fact check. I believe it was Bubba Smith who was in the police academy movies. 
Bubba Smith. <laughs> Did he have a nickname? Did Bubba Smith have a nickname? I think Bubba was his nickname. <laughs> yeah. Oh, probably. It yeah, probably was not his given name. Okay. Barnett Solid. Barnett Newman was a famous abstract expressionist from the 20th century. Oh, he did some of those like big solid color paintings. Got it. You know, those abstract ones. And Okay. You can see it at moments. That's where he got the nickname. How about Jacob the Dynamo Lawrence? Jacob Jake Lawrence. Jacob the Dynamo Lawrence. The Jake Dynamo. Lawrence. That sounds like another artist. I'm going to say no. What do you think, Andy? How does that not sound like a football player? Uh, yes. Andy's, Andy with a yes. Claire? I don't want to copy Andy again, so no. Okay. Michelle? Solid. Yes. And John, what do you think? <laughs> no. It's no. It's no. Come on, Jacob Lawrence, famous African-American dynamic cubist. Ah, dynamic century. artist, see? He's a dynamic cubist. Yeah. His stuff's pretty good. I'm sure. You can see it at the moment. Okay. <laughs> Are they sponsors Guys, now? we just don't know enough about yes, art or football for this yeah. week. Can they please be sponsors for yes, this? T- today's show sponsor, sure. the MoMA. The MoMA, okay. I've never been there. I've been there once there <laughs> last <you go>. week. <laughs> last week. Mm-hmm. All right, next one. Lance Bambi Allworth. Bambi. Mm. Bambi? Bambi. Okay, this is this is trying to trick you. This is an artist that does things with deers, I think, Uh, because I don't see how Bambi would be a football player's name. Lance Bambi Allworth. I'm gonna say no, definitely not. What do you think, Claire? I think yes. Andy. Definitely yes. (laughs) Michelle. (laughs) Yes. John, what do you think? Absolutely, Lance Allworth was one of the all-time great receivers ever to play. He's in the Hall of Fame. But Bambi? Played for the Chargers and the Cowboys, number 19, and he runs like a deer. Oh, that's uh, the one. And uh, actually went to Columbia with his daughter. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, so uh, great, great player. And he was best friends with a rabbit named Thumper. It's, it's, <laughs> it's why I, I wore 19 a couple of years. No oh, way. Yeah. There you go. That's why I put it on the quiz. Great. Background uh, research. Well done. All right, how about Andre Bad Moon Rising? Uh, <laughs> um, geez, uh, I'll say I'll say yes. <laughs> what do you think, Andy? I think I'm gonna have my first no on that one. And Claire? I hope it's yes. And Michelle? <laughs> I'm gonna go no, but I enjoy it. John? Absolutely, Absolutely. yes. Andre <laughs> Rising. Andre yeah. Rising. Uh, Bad Moon was the nickname oh given to God. him by Chris Berman. Exactly. On the Sports Center, and he's one of the all-time great receivers played for a bunch of teams in the NFL <laughs> after uh, his college career at Michigan State. Yeah. <laughs> You're crushing this quiz. Nice. Okay, what else? Uh, all right, how about this last one? Okay, go. Uh, Paul, all season, Saison. <laughs> I don't know he why He plays that's... four sports. <laughs> Paul, all season, Saison. Uh, I don't know. Well, first of all, I don't know why you were laughing so much at that one. <laughs> I like it. You, it, would be, it would be Paul, all Saison, or Paul, Saison. I don't know. Um, I'm going to say no, that is not a real nickname. Andy, what do you think? Yes. And Claire? I think it's another artist. Another artist. Good one. Um, what do you think, Michelle? I know it's another artist. Oh, no. okay. Uh, <laughs> I thought this was the obvious artist. John, what do you think? No. No. Shouldn't that be his nickname? It should be. All season saison. Coming in on the fifth floor of the MoMA. <laughs> <laughs> I had a bunch of other artists, but they didn't have nicknames, so you can try to name them. Mm-hmm. Like, actually, I wrote down like Salvador Droopy Dolly. Oh, because of the clocks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Wouldn't yeah. that be a good one? No. <laughs> no. What? No. Surprised <laughs> it didn't make the cut. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> Droopy Dolly. That's what all his friends called him. Okay. How, actually... how about Georgia Big Leaf O'Keefe? Georgia Big Leaf O'Keefe. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Now, now uh, uh, under what circumstances would these, like, would an announcer be announcing them this way? I think so. Like, when they're doing the play by play of an art show. Oh, sure. Uh, Fousey, uh, gun, 
Chevy X Jill. 50. Did we just did we just call a you really good play? It. Yeah, we just it. It. I thought we that. discovered a new play. <laughs> oh. He's not worried about the secret getting out. Okay. Wow. No, no, Andy Warhol. He must have like a million nicknames. No, that's right. Old Souphead. <laughs> Andy Old Souphead. I'd right. say there's probably a pretty good chance that Andy is already his nickname. No, that's true. Oh, yeah. Okay. Reasonable. What, what should we go? What should we? <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> Vincent, I can't hear you, Van Gogh. <laughs> that's that's not he was that's handicapped t- the ear thing self handicapped too, too soon too soon um okay well let's get all let's get, all season season let's get away from this silliness speaking <laughs> speaking of modern artists don't worry it's almost over um <laughs> so john i asked this question to all our guests what day do you prefer friday or sunday the first thing that popped in my head is what time of the year oh that's a okay um okay let's just try right now so, so you're, so you're out of season right now. Mm-hmm. So, so right now, Friday or Sunday? I would say Sunday. Okay. And what? And and any particular reason that you like it more than Friday? Well, it's. Uh, uh, I think I believe Sunday should be a day of rest, mm-hmm. uh, and I typically try to spend it with my wife and children. Now, Caroline's the only one at home. Sure. Um, or a nice uh, walk with the dogs mm-hmm. somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so kind of a chance to just um, relax and recalibrate mm-hmm. um, and then get mentally prepared for the start of the next week. But in season, would you say, would you have a different opinion? Yes, depending on if we won or lost on Saturday. Oh, I get it. Okay. Uh, so Sunday's a great day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, win. yeah. It's not so good when you lose. Okay. Uh, no, um, like I say when I ever have to play golf mm-hmm. every time I swing yeah. I say I'm so glad I don't get my self-worth out of my golf game <laughs> um, so the same thing it's I really nice don't try to get my self-worth out of wins and losses yeah. uh, it's so much more important than that yeah. um, but um, I love what I do so yeah, I yeah. don't I don't look forward to the work week ending and Friday is like the celebration okay uh, because you know it's in my profession, you're always worked through the weekend. Sure. You know, you're either, if you're playing on Saturday, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a, that's the, the great anticipation yeah. day where you're putting the last final touches on the game plan mm-hmm. and, and inspiring the team yeah. uh, before. Or if it's pro football, you're playing on Sunday. So Saturday is is that prep day. You, now, you, you have a follow-up. I you? do have a follow-up. Uh, how do you f- this is just, it's just go with it. How do you feel about black licorice? I have a memory of, of my dad loving black licorice okay. and eating it as a kid and liking it yes. and also liking blackjack gum, which oh, was yes. licorice-flavored licorice gum. gum. So I haven't had it in a while, uh, but it brings me back to my okay. childhood. Sounds like strong, a yes. strong. I'm going to say, say yes. We yeah. find that, that people works. who like Sunday also like black licorice. Really? Oh, yeah. Really? It's, it's, a, uh, it's an iron hard to get. Hard to get these days. You can't really find it. We, got a, guy go in a, like a, we got a guy in Holland. Who can uh, send it to us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got. Yeah. It. Thanks, Peter. Yeah. Um, thanks, Peter. I think. Are we good? I think we are good. Coach John Garrett, thank you so much for coming in and chatting with us. We really appreciate it. You can uh, listen to us on iTunes. You sound like you, you can, don't remember. I don't remember anything. <laughs> you can follow us on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter at some later date. You can email us at veryspreadsandbutters at gmail.com. I think I think we're good then. I think we are good. All right, thanks guys. Great to be here. Thank Appreciate you, it. Headphones off. Thanks Headphones very much, off. John. Can I uh, 
can I broach a subject? What's that team? Subject? Yeah. The movie Caddyshack. Uh, it is unwatchable. Unwatchable. Why do people think it is watchable? Well, they got that little gopher thing. That's yeah, they got that. People fans of Bill Murray. You got your Rodney Dangerfield, you got Chevy Chase. It is a disconnected series of isolated events. It's ev- all those people who I all I like all of them. Sure. Love Bill Murray, love Chevy Chase, love uh love Rodney Dangerfield. It's a great team, wonderful comedians. Okay. They're all just being their comedic selves. There's has nothing to do with a movie. Yeah. They're just proximate to some sort of common theme at some points and not even at all points. Ted Knight. Ted Knight? Mhm. A uh, straight man? Too too close for comfort. Has anybody seen Caddyshack? I have. I have cool. not I have not ever seen it before. Claire, your thoughts. I saw it. <laughs> and okay, good, good. You have you ever thought of running movie reviews? <laughs> <laughs> the movie was seen. I don't I mean, it was fine. Okay. But it is beloved. So that people don't write in and act like we don't know this. I know that... I would love people to write in. Anything, guys. (laughs) Anything out there you want to write in about. If people saw this movie when they were between the ages of like 10 and 18, Mm -hmm. I think they're the ones who think it is beloved. Okay. And it maintains... It it remains to them beloved no matter how long it's been since they've seen it. People will watch it and say, I'll just watch that anytime, any day of the year, always. I'm always laughing. The best movie ever. It's mind-boggling. Of course it has some... There's a golf theme. Sure. But the setup to the movie doesn't match even like a third in. Like they lose the setup, mm-hmm. which is about the, the kid getting the scholarship. Yeah. The uh, love interests... No, don't spoil anything. Uh, have Make no sense. Yeah. The uh, the gopher, fine. I mean, I'm not even going to pick on the animatronic gopher. That's mm-hmm. not worth it. Now, okay. Now, now, th- but it's just Dangerfield doing his routine. It doesn't have anything to do with the movie. Ben, you have to understand something here. You have to understand context. And the context is... Was this, was this National Lampoon's second big national film? I'm sure. After Animal House? Probably. Yeah, so, so there's there's a halo effect from that. What other movie? Maybe there were no good movies out that. But year. why is the guy Doug Kenny, who was at National Lampoon, there's a couple documentaries about sure. him, mm-hmm. um, be, you know, hailed as a genius. Mm-hmm. And this is one of the examples they use. Like he mm-hmm. wrote this movie. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I just don't know what they're talking about. Okay. More people are going to be pissed off that I said that. But not Liam Birdie O'Donnell. He agrees with me. Are you just trying to get people to? Call on our show. Controversial stances. It's our bread and butter. Wow. It's one of them. It's one of our breads and butters. Can I, friend of the show, pass guess your current wife, Jen? Yep. Jen she, Tellerico. She was recently uh, up making an observation that's, that comes up uh, a lot. I don't, mm-hmm. I don't have the the link to the reference, but yeah. it was, you know, that supercut of if they had cell phones in the 80s or 90s, like yeah. every movie would be two and a half minutes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking of the flip side to that. Uh, we were watching A Fish Called Wanda mm-hmm. recently, mm-hmm. which is that if we had post 9-11 airport restrictions in any movie from the 80s or 90s, yeah. nothing would ever happen. So you've got to somehow balance those out. Okay. Like either the movie ends in two and a half minutes because like, oh, we got a cell phone. I yeah. know where you are. Yeah. <laughs> the whole theme, the whole like hook for the movie is like, we can't find you. We don't know what's happening. If you had a cell phone, you just text them. You'd know. Yeah. Yeah. So that shortens the movie. Okay. But yeah, what's the airplane? Well? People just go in and out of, of uh, airports and airplanes willy nilly. It's so easy. Oh yeah. Even in Fish Called Wanda, they're joking that uh, Otto, you know Kevin Klein, uh-huh. he walks through the the scanner and kind of puts his arm around the side and flips the gun to him, and uh, then just catches it on the other that side. That would not happen these days. <laughs> no, that would not that happen. That, that body people, scanner where you got to put your hands above your head. Yeah. Like Is that. anything you out of your pockets? That. Yeah. How? I mean, it, you had to throw the gun pretty high to catch it on the other side. <laughs> right. <laughs> it takes a while to go through that. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Um, <laughs> and they're running on the they're running on the runway. 
They're just like going through back doors and they're yeah. getting into the airplane after having run onto the runway. I feel like I feel like so many alarms would be going off. There's so many doors that say if you open this door, an alarm will go off. That's what I mean. So that. whatever cultural equation people are uh, yeah. developing of, oh, if it was the 90s and we had cell phones, it would mm-hmm. be two and a half minutes. That's part one of an equation because then it. you have to add in the airport factor. Mm-hmm. And I think the movies would end up being about the same length. Okay. Yeah, good to know. When I was a kid, I wanted to be a comedian. A Everybody laughed joke. and laughed at me. <laughs> <laughs> now I've grown up and I am. And nobody's laughing now. <laughs> <laughs>